Today on The Journey. Contentment is not something that just happens to us. We cannot will ourselves to be content. Contentment is a learned virtue. Learning the secret. What is true contentment and what does it feel like? Well, today, Ron Moore teaches you how to learn its secret and thereby find lasting satisfaction. Before that, a quick word about Ron's PDF devotional booklet, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. It shares thoughtful meditations on the joy, confidence, and freedom we have in Jesus. It's available for a donation of any amount, and you can get it at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Welcome to a Life of Contentment on the Journey. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. Today we come to the last sermon in this series, last chapter of the book we are going to deal with. And I want us to begin in the middle of the chapter, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. I have learned, Paul says, the secret of contentment. Now, the first thing I want to highlight in that passage is the word learned. Paul says, I have learned to be content. I have learned the secret of being content. So first, contentment is not something that just happens to us. We cannot will ourselves to be content. We can't even put ourselves in a situation to learn contentment. Paul said, I learned the secret through a disciplined process of applying what I know about God and who He is into the situations of life, whether I was living in plenty or whether I was living in want. Contentment, then, is a learned virtue. Now, I believe most people just think contentment comes on you. When you become a Christian, you're content. Paul says, no, I have learned the secret of being content. What did he learn? What is the secret of contentment? In chapter 4, what I want to do is go through the chapter and point out four areas of life I believe points us to learning the secret of contentment. These are not standalone areas. Each area intersects with each other, and each area depends on each other. And for the sake of putting these in a way we can remember them, let's think of these areas as circles, our spheres of our life. And so we would have the sphere of relationships. We all have people we interact with, and there needs to be contentment 
in that relationship sphere. There's also the area of spiritual disciplines. There's also the area of mental discipline. Paul is going to address that in verses 8 and 9, what we think about. And then there's a fourth area of experience, just the things that happen in our life and what we learn from them. Now, the one thing that Paul says in verse 13 is what? I could be content in all things through Him who gives me strength. So each one of these spheres has as its focus Christ. We can't do it on our own. We can't be content on our own. But with the strength of Christ, we can learn the secret of being content. So let's look at the first one. The circle of relationships. Now each of us has relationships with other people. All of us know that these relationships give much opportunity for either contentment or contention. And contention always chases away contentment. And that's one reason that in the beginning of chapter 4, Paul pleads with people to get along. Look at verse 2. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. I plead with you to get along. Because in the area of relationships, you need to get along. Now, all of us in this area of relationships could put our name in there, in the name of our spouse if we're married, or the name of a boyfriend or a girlfriend if we're dating, or the name of a fiancé. We could put other people in there. So in this area of relationship, let's think about the other people that are going to, depending on how we interact with them, bring contention or contentment. We always have, at the top, Christ, because our primary relationship is always with Jesus Christ. But we could put here relationship with our spouse, because contentment in our life, a lot of it is going to be based on how we're getting along with our spouse. We could talk about relationship with our children, family, friends, people we work with. And then another one I just call bumpers, people we just bump into. Those people can really irritate you, can't they? And isn't it amazing how we can let someone we have never met and probably will never meet again ruin our day when they bring contention into our life. Sometimes relationship is at an impasse whether it's with a spouse or children or family or friends. And so we need to bring someone else in. Look at verse 3. Paul says, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal Oakville, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Step in and help out. Don't be too proud to ask for help. Now, we're always going to have a measure of discontent in our life. 
unless we work hard with the power of Christ to get contention out of our relationships. Here's a second circle of contentment. The circle of spiritual disciplines. Look at verse 6 and 7. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you do that, what's going to happen? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, let your worry be a signal to pray. Use anxiety as it begins to creep through your body. Use that as a signal to seek God and to gain contentment from Him. Because contentment and anxiety can't coexist. Now, Paul here only mentions prayer. But let's just expand that a little bit. There's a great book out I've mentioned before in this series. It's called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. I encourage you to read it. And let's look at the circle of spiritual disciplines. Christ is always at the top. And we have prayer. In Willard's book, he goes through these disciplines. He talks about prayer. He talks about study. You need to be studying God's Word. Remember, learning the secret of contentment. It doesn't just come on you. you got to acquire it. There's going to be a time when you're in God's Word. There's going to be a time when you're studying God's Word, not just on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. This is a personal time. Worship is part of our spiritual discipline. And then Willard writes about some other things that a lot of people who write about spiritual disciplines mention these things. And quite honestly, they are something I believe that we need to rediscover in our personal lives. They were in the lives of Christians many, many years ago, and they were kind of dropped. And now a lot of the writers are bringing them back. One of them is fasting, going without food, for the purpose of focusing our mind on God. So our hunger reminds us to pray. Our hunger reminds us we are dependent on God. But fasting is for the purpose of saying, God, I'm going to do without this so that I can use the time when I would eat breakfast, so I can use the time I would go to lunch, so I can use the time that I would eat dinner to pray and keep my focus on you. Some other ones. Solitude. Just getting alone. Read through the Gospels. How many times did Jesus go off by himself? Alone. For the purpose of meeting with God. For the purpose of hearing from God. Another one, silence. We're in a world where we have constant, constant input. Being able to get away just to be silent. Again, for the purpose of hearing from God. Service is another spiritual discipline. God has given us a gift. We should be using that gift. It's a discipline because we don't always want to use it, but we do it because we know it is in obedience to God. Another one, fellowship. 
Fellowship is a spiritual discipline. Through the spiritual disciplines, we acquire or we gain contentment. Here's another circle. It's a circle of the mind. Sin is conceived in our minds, it's birthed in our hearts, and it grows up and works itself out in our actions. When we commit a sin, we can always trace it back to our thinking. So if we can discipline our thinking, we can stop much of our sinning. A disciplined mind leads to a disciplined life. And of course, the opposite is true. And so Paul writes in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul here is not talking about positive thinking. He's talking about focusing our minds on these virtues. Very quickly, let's just go through them. Think about what is true. Think about what is solid, valid, binding, firm. Think about the things you know to be true. Now, where are you going to find the things that are true? By reading the Word of God and filling your mind with the Word of God, memorizing Scripture, so that when your mind is idle and the opportunity for things to come in you don't want to come in, you can begin to recite Scripture without a Bible in front of you, wherever you are. Memorize Scripture. Noble. This word means honesty, integrity, loyalty, commitment. Right. In secular Greek, there were four virtues that were right. Strength, self-control, wisdom, and righteousness. Doing the right things. Think about the right things to do. Pure. Think about the things that are above reproach. Lovely. Speech, actions, attitudes that demonstrate a gentleness and an affection. Admirable. Actions resulting in admiration and respect. Excellent. Moral excellence. Praiseworthy. Any action or thing that is worthy of praise. Think about these things. Now, as Christians, as evangelical Christians, because of the positive thinking movement, we shy away from talking about anything regarding our mind and thinking. Paul doesn't. Paul says there are some things we need to discipline our mind to think about. And when we discipline our mind to think about these things, then we'll begin to learn the secret of contentment. One more circle. The circle of experience. Look again at verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, but I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance, whatever the experience. So the first thing under experience would be learning. Learning in every 
circumstance. Our question should be, God, what are you teaching me through this? I don't particularly like what I'm going through. I don't particularly like the situation. But instead of sitting here and becoming bitter and asking why now and why me and why this, what are you teaching me? That's what Paul did. He said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I am well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things. I can find contentment in all things through Christ who gives me strength. Another circle of experience is pressing on. Keep going. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Paul says, I'm going to press on. Now, there are many people who will live their life in discontentment because they have failed in the past and the guilt of those failures they will allow to paralyze them. If anyone could do that, the Apostle Paul was one who could. Here's a man who murdered Christians before God miraculously called him to himself. And Paul could have said, who am I to ever speak for God? Who am I to ever do anything? Look at my past. Paul says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to forget what lies behind. God has forgiven me of that. I'm going to move on and I'm going to learn contentment in pressing on to the next place God has for me. Here's another one. Eternal perspective. Living our life with an eternal perspective. We saw that in chapter 3, verse 20, where Paul reminded us of this. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like His glorious body. Keeping a mindset of eternity, realizing that we are just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. Things here are short and temporary. Heaven is eternally long, and we will be with God forever. How does that impact the experiences we're going through? To realize that no matter how difficult it is, it's only temporary. Here's another one. Obedience. Learning the secret of contentment in our experience, we have to obey. Paul says in verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Pretty bold statement, isn't it? Obedience, putting into practice the things that are right, always leads to contentment. Disobedience always leads to discontentment. And we have a choice in learning the secret of contentment. We'll be obedient or not. A couple more. Dependence. Again, verse 13, I can do everything through Him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Paul is saying, 
I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in want or need. I can do anything God calls me to do. I can be content in any circumstance through Christ who gives me strength. Are we dependent on Him? And the last thing in experience, and I believe in this with all my heart, is passion. A passion to live our lives wide open for Jesus Christ. A passion to know Him, to know who He is, to grow deep in our knowledge of Him. Look at chapter 3, verse 7. Paul, in the first part of chapter 3, gives his credentials. A Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee, faultless when it came to the legalistic law. But then he says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. The power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I want to know Christ. That's what my life is about. I'll put aside all this other stuff just to know Christ. A passion to grow in your relationship with Christ. So how are you doing in the area of contentment? Again, it's not something that you snap your fingers and it comes upon you. Paul says, I learned the secret of being content. In the area of relationships, in the area of spiritual disciplines, of my mind and my experiences. Christian life is not an easy one, two, three step, and then we're there. It's a long process of obedience to learn the secret of contentment. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Do you wonder where the abundant life Jesus promised is found? When you do a personal assessment, do you find spiritual failure, doubt, and bondage instead of the victory you seek? Well, you'll discover the things you've been looking for in Ron Moore's digital devotional, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. In this thoughtful look at Paul's very personal letter to the believers in Philippi, you'll learn how to experience the joy, freedom, and bold confidence God intends for you, His child. Welcome to the Life God Has for You is yours for a gift of any amount when you visit ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a preview of our next broadcast. Welcome to a special edition of The Journey. It's my privilege to join you Monday through Friday to consider God's Word together. Over the next weeks, we're going to be doing something just a little bit different. We're going to be focusing on the issues that men face. And to help us understand the day-to-day challenges that face men, I have a special guest with me. And I want to welcome Tunch Ilkin to The Journey. 
Great to be with you, Ron. Tunch is a former professional football player. So Tunch, you've been around tough guys all your life, and now you are ministering to men every day. Right. As you interact with men, not only here in the Pittsburgh area, but around the country, what are the main things that you see face men today and challenge men? I guess the first thing that I would say, Ron, is men tend to be loners and they don't realize how important it is for men to get together and lock arms. The first time I heard that phrase, it was Stu Weber wrote a book called Locking Arms. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about men's relationships and how important it is for us as men to encourage and challenge one another, to really live hard for Christ. The thing about church is it appeals to the women, but in many ways it does not appeal to men. We hope you can join us for that message next time. Also, we want you to have a copy of Ron's PDF devotional titled, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. It's yours for a gift of any amount, and you'll find it at ronmore.org. That's ronmore.org. Plus, we invite you to have a look at our church website at biblechapel.org. There you'll find information about our worship services and special events, along with Ron's recent sermons, devotional thoughts, and podcasts. Again, that address is biblechapel.org. Biblechapel.org. And if the journey has made a difference in your spiritual life, Won't you invite your friends and family to listen as well? We'll thank you, and we think they will too. Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. You can give at ronmore.org, or you may call 724-731-2018. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron Moore next time as we walk together on the journey.